You are alive to shine. I'm Beth. And I'm Kate. And this is The Shine Podcast, where we meet lots of different people and hear about the ways that they light up the world. And here's why we're doing this. We've been changed and affected by people who shine with the love of Jesus. And the world needs people like that and like you right now. So be encouraged and let your light shine. When I was praying about what verse should be the theme verse for the 2022 Thrive Conference, I kept coming back to Isaiah 61 through 3. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the people. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears on you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Whew! It's been some season. And I don't know about you, but I am tired. When I arise, I'm not sure I feel like I'm shining. I see the darkness covering the earth. But do I feel the the glory of the Lord rising upon me? I don't think I'm alone in being tired. Collectively, we've been put through the ringer over the past two and a half years. It started with a global pandemic that halted everything and sent everyone home. And what could have been a time of rest and refreshment for many was filled with strife and anxiety. For some, sickness. For others, death. For me, it looked like our little 1,400-square-foot house turning into two offices and two classrooms. It looked like the worry of killing grandma with a hug. It looked like Mr. Scheller trying to teach gym class over Zoom. It looked like a teenager gripped with anxiety. A bed turned into an office. It felt like frustration laying 350 of my 400 team off. It looked like the frustration of trying to run an organization that's built on connection and engagement and togetherness, separated by six feet and masks. It felt like the exhaustion of taking on extra roles. For our church leaders, it looked like making half the congregation mad with any decision that they made. For us, it looked like polarization of friends and family, lines drawn in the sand based on politics. For some, it looked like isolation, loneliness, a rise in suicide rates among our youngest teens. It looked like fear-mongering. Pointing fingers, ugly online DMs, quarantines, and lockdowns. What could have been a season of rest was anything but. And as we and the world strives to get back to normal, or what may never be normal, people are striving to pick up the pieces. Counselors are booked three months out. Workers are doing their jobs, plus the jobs of their coworkers that are no longer there because of the loss of the workforce. Parents are dealing with mental health issues with their young adults. Our communities are having to do more with less. And we're tired. And yet, the word tells us 
Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, thick darkness over the people, but the Lord rises over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Even when we are tired, as believers, we have the promises and the yes and amens of the word of God. Jesus tells us in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Doesn't that sound good? Rest for your soul. The good news is that we serve a God that has given us the gift of rest. He not only gives it, he models it, and he commands it. In the story of creation in Genesis, God's busy at work creating the whole world. You've probably read the story over and over again, and you think you know exactly what it says. But one day, I was reading it again, and something caught my attention. I had never paid attention before, and it was the phrase, And there was evening and there was morning the first day. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And the fourth and the fifth and the sixth. Did you catch that? Evening, then morning. The pattern of the creator of the universe gave us rest and then work. Rest and then work. I had had it all backwards. In my mind, it's work and then you get to rest. Work, get to rest. But that's not how he modeled it for us. The daily rhythm is rest, work, rest, work, rest, work, rest, work. And then on the seventh day in Genesis 2, 2 through 3, it says, God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. From the very beginning, our heavenly father who created us has given us a pattern for our lives. Rest, then work. Six days and then rest on the seventh day. Like a whole day, like a real whole day, 24 hours. Then repeat, rest and work. This is his plan for our lives to help us thrive. It's a gift. He's serious about this gift. He made it a commandment. You know, in the top 10, the big commandments, in the midst of the no-no list, don't have any other gods before you. Don't have idols. Don't misuse the Lord's name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Honor your parents. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't give false testimony. Don't covet. Isn't that fascinating? I guess he's really serious about this gift he's giving us. But if you're anything like me, sometimes I think that fourth commandment is just a recommendation. And we can skip skip over it if we want to as long as we're working on those other nine. 
And it's not only in Genesis that we hear about this rest. You can find the mention and the commands of keeping the Sabbath day holy in Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Numbers, and all throughout the Old Testament and even in the New Testament. We see the Jewish people, including Jesus and his disciples, remembering the Sabbath. But what does it mean to us in this 21st century world where there's 24-7 access to pretty much anything and everything, and the majority of us has a, have a phone in our pocket or our palm that never rests? It means that we have to do what the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews 4.11. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. At one point, the religious leaders were legalistic about it, and they even criticized Jesus and his disciples for how they were practicing the Sabbath. But Jesus tells them in Mark 2, 27, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It's a gift he made for us. So how do we strive to enter rest, strive that we can thrive by resting, I have created my own top 10 list of how we can do that. Number one, take it seriously. Change your attitude about it. Rest, then work. Know that your work will be better if you're rested. I've had to change my attitude about this. If I didn't have a family, it would be very easy for me to slip into workaholism. In fact, If you ask my family, they would say, even though I have a family, it's very easy for me to slip into workaholism. I got a meme from my sister yesterday, said, me, I'm about ready to have a breakdown. I need a day off. Also me, how can I make this day off productive? Megan mentioned this yesterday. There's a book by John Mark Homer called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. I read it in a day. My friends mocked me for it, but it was so good that I had to hurry up and read it. He takes the ruthless elimination a bit serious, but I do recommend the book. He talks about silence and solitude, Sabbath simplifying, and slowing down. We need to take it serious and strive to rest as if our life depended on it. Number two, make a rhythm. Realize that God created us to recharge every night and to fuel our bodies morning, noon, and night. We can't sleep 18 hours and then plow through the next 48. We can't expect to eat a big meal on Sunday morning and have it get us through till Wednesday evening. It's like a gas in a car. You have to fill your tank up with gas, and every 300 miles you have to fill it up again, or guess what? You're going to be stranded. We need to regularly figure out a way to rest and relax in a rhythm on a daily basis. Take those moments to refill when you have lunch and breakfast and dinner. Breathe. Enjoy your nourishment. Build rhythm into your days, your weeks, and your months. In Psalms 34.8, it says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Just remember that when you're eating. Taste and see the Lord is good. And I'm going to take a deep breath. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Number three, 
Schedule in margin. You know what margin is? When we were in school, we had those line papers, and there was a margin on the left and on the top and the right, and you had to stay in between. We had guidelines. Well, as adults, sometimes we, if we don't put those guidelines up, we can be bleeding over and have no margin in our life because we're overscheduled. And how do you know if you're overscheduled? I came up with a list. So let's see how you guys do. You might be an overscheduler if you wake up tired. You might be an overscheduler if you don't have time for coffee and quiet time before you start your day. You might be an overscheduler if your first appointment of the day is late and makes everything else in your day backed up. You might be an overscheduler if during the workday you don't have time to plan or strategize or regroup. You might be an overscheduler if you don't take a lunch break. You might be an overscheduler if people become an interruption. You might be an overscheduler if you eat most of your meals in the car. You might be an overscheduler if your weekend morning, afternoons, and evenings are booked. And you might be an overscheduler if you think you can change a load of laundry, empty the dishwasher, take out the trash, pay a bill, and put your shoes on five minutes before you have to leave for the carpool pickup. We need to learn how to schedule margin into our lives. And we need to keep at it until we figure it out. There was a season that I was feeling particularly pressed about my evening schedule, and I started to pay attention to that pressure, and I decided I was going to make a new rule for myself. I was only going to schedule two things a week in the evenings. And one, we always have family dinner, and we record the Shine podcast. So that left me with one other night that I could schedule things. And it worked for a week. (laughs) And then things kept getting rescheduled or changed or moved. And I'd flip over my calendar to the next week, and Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday were all booked, and by the time Friday came around, I was spent. But I didn't give up. I'm continually asking the Holy Spirit to help me with my schedule and to help me to build margin in my life. Psalms 127, 1 through 2, Song of Solomon. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Number four, just say no. I got this one from my sister. She said that was going to be her mantra this year. And I said, that's great, except for you can't say no to me. No is a complete sentence. And if you are a people pleaser, you need to practice how to say no. That sounds like a lot of fun, but unfortunately, I am unavailable. Or how about telling your boss, I'd love to help you work on that project. Which project would you want me to stop working on so that I can help you? Number five, go to sleep. Psalms 4.8, in peace, I will Both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Scientists have discovered what the Bible's been telling us all along. 
If you're not getting the seven to nine hours of recommended sleep, it can affect your safety mentally and physically. Memory issues, trouble thinking and concentrating, mood changes, weakened immunity, high blood pressure, risk of diabetes, risk of heart disease, weight gain, bad balance, all are the effects of not getting enough sleep. In Lamentations 22 and 23, it says, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. How about that? He loves us so much. Some translations say mercy. His mercy is new every morning. Some days we just need to go to bed and get a fresh dose of compassion and mercy. Isaiah 30, 15. For thus says the Lord, the Holy One, in returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and truth shall be your strength. And Proverbs 3, 24. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Make it a point to get seven to nine hours of sleep. It's not a badge of honor to brag about not getting sleep. God created our bodies to restore every night, and we really should not be arguing or trying to override the manufacturer. Number six, Megan talked about this last night, quiet your mind. Even if we're getting enough sleep, we need to learn how to still our minds and our thoughts. Psalms 37.7, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in this way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Psalms 46.10, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Jeremiah 31.25, for I will satisfy the weary soul and every languishing soul I will replenish. And Exodus 33, 14, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. We can quiet our thoughts by being still before the Lord, taking every thought captive. We need to sit with our thoughts and wait on the Lord to speak to us. We live in a world that has so much noise. We can be inundated through music, commercials, billboards, talking, talking, talking. The other day I went to the gas station And I almost had a meltdown because there was a screen and a commercial playing. And I just wanted to pump my gas in peace. We need to carve out time. And Megan talked about this last night. In our days where we can quiet our minds and wait on the Lord to speak to us. Because Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not grow faint. And Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication, present your requests to Lord. 
and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. And Psalms 116.7, Return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. Number seven, make time for fun. Rest is not just about sleeping or being still. It's creating, it's laughing, it's having fun, it's being out in nature, it's doing something that brings you joy. It's spending time with the Lord and with your loved ones. Some of us are so caught up in the hamster wheel that we don't even know what brings us joy. If we had an answer on the spot, what's fun to you, we might have a hard time answering that. So make time for fun. Be around people that make you laugh. Spend time doing things that breathes life into your soul. Proverbs 17, 22. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Number eight, be like Jesus. Jesus was a big deal. He had a team. He had a mission. He had work to do. He had crowds that followed him. People needed him. People counted on him. Yet Jesus did not hesitate to pull away from the crowds, to find time to spend with his father. He recharged and connected to the father, which gave him peace. He would slip away from the crowds. He created a culture of rest in the midst of the storm. In Mark 4, 39, when he, there was a big storm going on and he was asleep on the boat and the disciples were getting a little worried, he woke up. And he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. Megan talked about the story of Martha and Mary. He praised Mary and rebuked Martha, creating a culture in his circle of influence that work is not the end-all, be-all. If the Savior of the world can do it, we need to take a lesson from him. Our world will not fall apart if we rest And we need to stop perpetuating the lie that we, as women, have to do everything and be everything to everybody. When we think about the what would Jesus do bracelets, we need to be practical. Jesus would take a nap. Jesus would slip away. Jesus would find time to be alone with his father. Number nine, change your scenery. Schedule time off and have time away from your regular routine. Use all your vacation days. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to cost a lot. But get out of your house. Get away from the everyday routine. When you have time off for work, but you don't pull yourself away from your housework, it doesn't count as rest. Having your office in your bedroom does not set you up for success when it comes to creating a peaceful sanctuary. Schedule your vacations and your time off. Create space that you can go to that are tranquil and peaceful to you. I have a rule in my house that no one sleeps in the living room. And that may sound like a weird rule, but my kids, when they were growing up, traveled in herds. The boys, there was never one or two friends coming over. There was six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve. And they always were like, Mom, can we sleep in the living room where there's a lot of us? And I said, no. So I'd get up early in the morning on Saturdays for my quiet time, and I'd look in the family room, and there'd be piles of bodies as sardines. But I got to go to my quiet place in my living room with my double-wide chair and my ottoman and my round table and my coffee 
because they weren't allowed to sleep there. Otherwise, there would have been bodies all over my house, and I would have been like looking for a space to have my quiet time. So be purposeful about creating space in your life. That's a sanctuary. And number 10, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. I think it's really interesting that the Lord tells us to remember the Sabbath. He's reminding us, hey, remember. Don't we all need reminders? I had an appointment that was scheduled a year out, and it had a prescription for lab work. I had the appointment in my calendar, and it was a good thing because I would not have remembered an appointment a year out. But guess what I didn't have in my calendar? Lab work needed to be done the week before. And I didn't really even realize this until I was sitting in the waiting room at the doctor's office, and I realized... Oh, I forgot the lab work. And it's not like I hadn't seen the prescription of the lab work. I kept it in a very safe place. It was with my paper bills. And every month I touched that piece of paper and I put it at the back of the pile. And I said, I know where it is. And so when I have to go to the doctors, I'm going to get this out and go get lab work. But I didn't have a reminder. There's a reason God tells us to remember. He knows our nature. We need to be intentionally setting up reminders so that we can practice rest. My oldest son, who's a youth pastor in North Carolina, he's been on a Sabbath quest for quite some time. He decided that he wanted to spend some time with a Jewish rabbi because Jesus, after all, was Jewish. And so he met this guy and he asked him to go to coffee and talk to him about Sabbath and Shabbat, as they call it. And this is what he learned from them. They remember the Sabbath. They block it off on their calendar. They plan ahead. They treat it as holy and honorable by making things that they do or the food that they eat special. It's that day for the special coffee or the cream in the coffee or special meals or special desserts. It's creating space and an atmosphere that lends itself to rest and relaxation. It's bringing out the special dishes, lighting a candle, having intentional conversations with loved ones, and it's practicing gratitude for what the Lord has done for us over the week. Rest is a gift from the Lord. And it's our choice if we open the gift or what we do with the gift or how much we value that gift. But it's given to us out of the utmost love from our Heavenly Father. It's given out of an abundance of wisdom of who we are and what we are and what we need. Have you ever gotten a gift that you didn't know you needed? And then once you had it, you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know what I was doing without this gift. That's what it is like with rest. And that's what God has done for us. And I don't know about you, but I want to value that gift and use it every day and not set it up on a shelf and only pull it down when I'm having a meltdown. So let's take a minute to sit before the Lord and thank him for his mercy that is new every morning. So I just want you to close your eyes and answer these questions to yourself. Am I taking rest seriously? Am I building a rhythm into my days, my weeks, my months? Do I have enough margin in my schedule? Am I able to say no to things? Am I getting enough sleep? 
Do I quiet my mind? Am I having fun? Am I modeling Jesus' lifestyle? Am I able to change my scenery? And am I remembering the Sabbath? If you answered no to any of those questions, I just want to encourage you to take out that gift of rest that God has given you and rediscover what it is to you and how he wants to use it in your life. Take a deep breath and exhale. I'm going to end with Psalms 23. This is what the Lord has for us. This is how he wants us to be thriving in our lives. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He he guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That, my friends, is the gift God has for us, and he wants us to thrive. So we just encourage you to strive to rest in him and the gift that he's given us.